In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Those little prayers that we pray every week, there's a different one every week called the Collect, um, are meant to bring our thoughts together and help us focus. And they also link, they often link, the theme of the epistle and the gospel together. So they, they collect our personal thoughts, but they also collect our thoughts as one, as a congregation. And last week's Collect uh, taught us to ask God for a perpetual fear and love of his holy name. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? To ask God for fear? Because really, the world teaches us not to be afraid, or tells us not to be afraid. I don't know if it teaches us, but it tells us not to be afraid. And here the collect is saying, give us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Not a natural fear. Natural fear would be like a fear of the dark, or a fear of thunder and lightning, or a fear of dogs, or whatever. But a perpetual fear, a holy fear of God's name. So it means a deep reverence for him. Such a love for him that we would never want to disappoint him. Think about somebody in your life that you wouldn't want to disappoint. That's, that's leading towards this holy fear. Well, the people in last week's gospel, that gospel that had the parable of the great supper, the man made a great supper and he invited a bunch of people to come and when it was time to eat, everybody started making excuses. The people that made the excuses and did not attend the great supper, they lacked, or at least at that moment, they lacked holy fear. One said that they just bought some property, a field, so they wouldn't be going to the supper. Another said they had bought five yoke of oxen. To us, maybe that'd be a new tractor, and they were going to try it out. Another said they just got married, and they wouldn't be going. I make excuses. We all make excuses. Sometimes they're related to work. Sometimes they're related to our families or friends. Sometimes they're related to God. And as we heard in last week's gospel, from these excuses, there are categories, or we might say there are categories for making excuses. My excuses can sometimes be because I'm too tied <clears throat> to the things around me, to my possessions. A guy bought a field. Sometimes my excuses can be because I'm too tied to my work. The other guy bought five yokes of oxen. It was all about his work. Sometimes my excuses can be tied to relationships. Interestingly, even the guy that had just got married and gave that excuse is said by the way Jesus tells this, that that excuse was not acceptable. In other words, no relationship, no possession, and no work should come before our relationship with God. I'm not saying 
that there aren't serious exceptions, but as a general rule at least, nothing should come before our relationship with God. In this morning, the, the two were given two parables, one about the lost sheep, one about the lost coin slash hearing aid. And uh, the story about these lost things is really a continuation from last week. For example, imagine if the people who gave the excuses last week are now described or embodied or represented, how about, by the lost sheep. Look where their excuses got them, in other words. Here they are now, off by themselves, separated from the rest of the flock and from the shepherd. In fact, they're so lost, they can't find their own way home. If you've ever been lost, you know how scary it can be. Some people immediately feel physiological symptoms like a racing heart, sweaty palms, nausea. Others almost immediately begin to cry. It's no fun at all being lost. And the connection between what's going on up here, this realization, uh, and, and what's going on in my body really prove to be linked, a strong link. The point today is that we can get lost spiritually. That's the point of today's gospel. If we make excuses to God, if I make excuses to God for my temper, if I make excuses for spending my money unwisely, if I make excuses for wasting my time, for not calling somebody or visiting somebody that I should, if I do these things, there's something deeper happening inside me. And it's not good. Because what I'm saying is, God, I got this. I really don't need you. I'll do this my way. Don't worry. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. It may not seem like a big deal. It's kind of like... Uh, that thing about a little white lie. A little white lie leads to a bigger lie and a bigger lie. It's like excuses, isn't it? It can be a slippery slope. And spiritually, this is very true. When I know what I ought to do, even if I don't know exactly what the action should be, if I know that I should consult somebody about this spiritual matter, and I don't, and say that I've got this, I'm really entering into dangerous territory with my soul. It doesn't take long with that kind of attitude to really get lost. It doesn't really take long for the car engine to cool off. And so it is with us spiritually and the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Lord stands at the door and knocks, and if I make excuse after excuse and leave him standing there, after a while, he's going to go on to somebody else. There are so many things in life that we know nothing about. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Only God knows. 
So we should be leaning on him, which takes practice and trusting him instead of ignoring him and making excuses about it. I saw a video last night, um, three minutes and eight seconds. J.I. Packer, a very well-known author and Anglican priest, who's been living in British, uh, who's lived in British Columbia a long part of his life. And the video is simply called, What is Repentance? If you Google jipacker.com, what is repentance? Three minutes and eight seconds. He, in this short little video, says, one of our tendencies, one of our tendencies as human beings is to walk independently, to try to walk independently of, from God. And he's right. Deep down inside us, we have this desire to do things on our own strength. That's why, that's why men don't ask for directions. Or, or read the instructions. Uh, it's, it's a thing, isn't it? That we think... I mean, some guys are very good at that, doing that. But uh, I thank God for Carolyn, who basically just takes the thing and reads it and tells me what to do. Guys can have a real block, generally speaking, gentlemen, guys can have a real block about this walking independently. Maybe it's because we think that we're supposed to be tough and smart and all this stuff. But how far lost we can get ourselves. And what is behind this? What is behind this in us? A desire for control. A desire for control. It can be uncomfortable after all, not knowing the answers to who, what, when, where, why, and how. Strangely enough, even though we're just people, we're mere mortals, we think we should have all the answers to those questions. In fact, we think we should be able to predict the answers and orchestrate the answers. And we're just people. What's behind this desire for control? Pride. An unhealthy pride will cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we should, to rely on our own intelligence and our own network and our own strength. And therefore, in that, we are susceptible to dismissing the importance of our relationship with the Lord and what he has done for us and how much we need him. This is exactly why in today's epistle, St. Peter says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Not so that he'll squish you, not so that he'll embarrass you, not so that he'll sing you, single you out, but so that he'll exalt you, so that he'll lift you up. And then he closes with, for he careth for you. You don't have to worry about humbling yourself, he's saying, because he cares for you. The evidence of the Lord's care for us, even when we wander off from him, or worse, turn our backs on him, 
is obvious in the parable of the lost sheep. His care for us, even when we make excuses to him, lame duck excuses, is obvious in the parable of the lost sheep. What happens? The shepherd leaves all the others in order to look for this lost one. In other words, the lost sheep is valuable to the shepherd. It's precious to him. He knows this sheep and he goes after it. He cares about it. It belongs to him. This is so important for us to know and believe. What are the causes of despair in our society? Yes, there are things like um, unemployment and uh, mental health uh, issues and addiction, but at the very root is this lack of belonging, lack of trust that I belong, because from that belonging I know love and I know hope. And this is the whole thing about the Good Shepherd. This sheep belongs to him and he loves it, so he goes after it. And you and I are that lost sheep. There is a couple of senses, probably lots of senses, but how about these two? A couple of senses in which the good shepherd goes after the sheep. On the one hand, there is this incredible act of rescue for the human race that God did through his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son. The incarnation, the, the enfleshment of Christ is one sense of thinking about the good shepherd coming after us to rescue us. He actually left the glory and beauty of heaven and came into this earth. Why? To pursue us and rescue us. Why? Because he cares for us. Through his coming in holy baptism, you and I have been made the children of God and members of Christ. In other words, he's brought us into his family. He's adopted us as his children. And what do we do? Often make excuses for not doing the things he asks us to do. This whole thing about excuses really puts a point on me going with my feelings rather than with what I know to be true. Feelings can be so beautiful and moving and they're such a gift, but if I operate on my feelings I will get myself into big trouble. If I operate on feelings over reason, I will become the lost sheep. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about not crying or not laughing or not hugging, but I'm talking in a spiritual way about operating according to what we know to be true about God and about us. The Lord also actively pursues us in this sense. 
the good shepherd goes after the sheep, instead of saying, oh, well, I've got 99 others, he goes out searching. How? One commentator says, what can it be when the good shepherd pursues us but that he works through our conscience. Our conscience. It's misgivings, that little voice that tells us something, the stings, the wounds of our conscience. What can it be but visions also of future wrath? Or what can it be that the Lord pursues us but by sometimes disappointment? When we are so sure of something and then we, it doesn't happen and we have this disappointment, the Lord suddenly stops us. And this may be a loss of employment, it may be a sickness, it may be a loss of a friend, it may be loss of our own health. Not always. But sometimes, this is the way the Good Shepherd pursues the lost sheep. Our Good Shepherd has come to be with us, not just to stand alongside us, and not just to watch us from above, but to be with us by His Spirit who dwells in us. So He prompts us, He speaks to us, he knocks at the door in many, many ways, but always with the desire to draw us closer to himself because he is our strength and our hope. He desires to draw us, and yet often we continue on our own way. He wants us to turn to him. And this is the last thing in today's sermon. Turn. Repent. To turn around means to repent. And this is what the Lord is desiring. That we would, instead of giving him excuses, turn back to him. When the lost, or when the good shepherd comes and the woman comes with the things that they've lost, the good shepherd says, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which I lost. Then Jesus says to those who were present, he says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Joy in heaven over one sinner who turns, who turns around. J.I. Packer says, that we often neglect this whole message of repentance. Why? Because it's costly. Repentance involves me reshaping my life, examining my priorities. It involves me really learning to pray, thy will be done rather than my will be done, or I'm good to go. Because repentance is radical, many people attempt to adapt the Bible to suit themselves. And we've had a real uh, rush on this as in, in the Anglican communion over the last 30, 35 years. 
it's easier for me to make it up than it is to really obey it. And that's why we shy away from this message of repentance or turning. People tend to see this right now. I'm sure many people shut down at the word repentance because they equate it with rules. It's got nothing to do with rules. It has to do with life and hope. It is costly to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's the one who knows the way from death to life. He's the one that gives us belonging. So if I'm not following him and I'm following my feelings, I'm walking away from life and from hope and from forgiveness. It's not about rules. Repentance is about hope. May the Lord help us as we enter into this gospel and reflect on it through the week. May the Lord help us to grab hold of this truth and to grab, reach out for the one who is our true and only Good Shepherd. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.